emerging markets are really the growth engine of of the world. I think all equity investors should have some emerging markets in their portfolio. And, you know, again, ZEM is a great tool to achieve that. Welcome to Deep Dive, a special edition of the BMO ETFs podcast. In these episodes, we put our investment strategies under the microscope so you can see how they can work best for your clients and your practice. Today, our experts will take you under the hood of the BMO MSCI Emerging Markets Index ETF, ticker ZEM, which provides essential access to countries and regions that are often overlooked by Canadian retail investors. Before we hear from our experts, please remember to subscribe to this podcast and share this episode with your professional network. Welcome back to our BMO ETF Deep Dive podcast. As usual, I'm your host, Danielle Nezel, alongside Chris Heeks, ETF Portfolio Manager. Thanks, Chris, for taking a break from the desk today to chat with us. Thanks, Danielle. Glad to be back. So today, Chris and I are going to talk to you about investing in emerging markets. So a region that investors may have shied away from because they probably don't fully understand the growth opportunities available in these countries. But emerging markets can be a very valuable component in building out the growth portion of your equities. So today we want to educate you on this important asset class that has maybe been overlooked by retail investors especially. And, you know, we've seen investors really beef up on U.S. equity exposure over the last uh, several years. And it makes sense. The U.S. has been the driver of the global economy, has been leading the way in equity growth over the last decade. But the U.S. is facing some pesky headwinds um, of late, election volatility, a huge struggle containing uh, the virus, demographic shifts to an aging population, and extremely low interest rates. So, Chris, maybe just to start the conversation, um, when we're building a diversified and global portfolio, Maybe investors should probably start looking at opportunities outside of the U.S. for growth. So why might emerging markets be a great region for equity growth in the future? Yeah, thanks, Danielle. You know, I think the U.S. has served us so well the past few years, and and it's still a great engine of growth. But, you know, we always have to look outside of that. And I think, you know, as an equity investor, um, you know, equities come with risks. So the extent to which you can diversify and other find other sources of growth, I think it's an important thing to, to look at. You know, first and foremost, with emerging markets, I think it's the long-term cyclical trends. Um, you know, emerging markets are really the growth engine of, of the world. So if you look at GDP growth rates, uh, well, I'll speak to pre-COVID rates, but emerging markets are kind of in that 4 to 5% a year of GDP growth, you know, developed countries are around 1%. Uh, you spoke about demographics, population growth, like where are populations growing? Uh, they're growing in emerging markets and, and, and overall it's a younger population. That's a big part of why there's uh, higher GDP growth rates in those countries. You know, the largest cities are in emerging markets and that trend is gonna accelerate, you know, drastically over the next, you know, 20, 30, years if we can look out so far. Um, Other factors that that I think are interesting, technology adoption. Pretty much everyone in Canada has a smartphone now. Uh, You know, that smartphone adoption is over 80, in that 80 to 90% range. Look at a country like India with a billion plus people, 
smartphone adoption is around 30%. So there's not only great growth rates, great population growth and demographics, you have this phenomenon of the rise of a middle class as well to go along with this, um, the rise of the consumer, if you will. And, and if you look simply at China and India around, uh, alone, you know, you're talking about 2 billion plus consumers. It's a real, it's a real big number. So those kind of long-term kind of secular trends are very much in favor of emerging markets. Um, a couple other points, I'd say valuation. Valuation is always more attractive in, in emerging markets, and, and it's, it's become even more attractive with, you know, as much money has gone into the U.S. market and the returns we've had there. If you're looking at 2021 price-to-earnings ratio, it's about 19 in the U.S. Uh, it's about 13 in emerging markets. So there's, there's a valuation story, and, and certainly, as we mentioned, uh, a diversification component to the argument as well. So there's there's a lot of things that I think are very positive uh, for looking at the space and including it in your portfolio. Uh, we have to obviously offset against the risk factors of the region. Um, you know, in many cases, we're dealing with governments and, and regimes with higher political risks. Um, to an extent, you know, they're also more, emerging um, markets would be more dependent on foreign investment, external investment. You know, human rights is obviously an issue, um, ESG concerns in, in emerging markets, but you know, overall, I think that trend of um, the growth and, and, and getting exposure to the growth, um, emerging markets is, is, a, is, a, is really the place where that is happening in the world. So I think as investors, uh, it's an area that we should definitely pay attention to. So these long-term trends that are kind of shifting in emerging market uh, countries and the demographic changes that you mentioned, these have all kind of impacted what the emerging market index looks like today. And I think uh, some investors have a quite a dated view of what emerging market economies uh, look like, because historically, these were countries that were more resource-based economies, heavily invested in oil, uh, materials, and precious metals. And so from the lens of a Canadian investor, the notion was kind of always, well, Canadians might not need emerging markets at all, because its sector makeup looks kind of like the Canadian index, so why bother adding it? But the index has really changed. So, Chris, can you tell us how uh, the index has evolved over the years, and why should Canadian investors in particular start looking uh, back towards this exposure? Yeah, for sure. And, you know, you make a great point where in the past it was certainly a resource concentrated uh, exposure. So even if you go back 10 years uh, to 2010 on emerging markets, about 30% was energy and materials. Uh, if you went back 10 years on the on the TSX, probably that number's in the 40 to 50% range. So they're very similar, um, similar exposures. And, and certainly the argument was as a Canadian, you're not going to get a lot of extra bang for your diversification buck by going to emerging markets. But as you mentioned, there's been a real uh, shift in the exposure, the underlying exposure, and part of that's been the rise of the consumer and some of these other factors that have happened in these markets, adoption of technology. But if you look at where the index is now in energy and materials, in emerging markets, it's about 13%, so down from 30. Uh, if you look at tech, obviously tech has been a major theme and will continue to, to be so. Uh, tech, so the tech weight in the index has about doubled uh, over 10 years, and now it's about 25%. And then speaking of that consumer side of the index, the staples and the discretionary, 
10 years ago, that was at 12%. We're now at about a 25% weight into consumer stocks. So really, from a sector point of view, you're actually getting something that looks a lot more like the S&P 500 in some ways uh, than, than, than the Canadian market. Obviously, strong consumer stocks, uh, tech, and, and, and financials as well. So, you know, that's one way it's changed. Um, you know, the other way it's changed simply is the rise of, of China. And there's, there's no other way to, um, I think, get around that. If you go back 10 years, China was a 12% weight in the index. It's now about a 40% weight. Part of that has been the market has opened up and now we are able to buy um, A shares, which are, which are equity shares listed locally on mainland China. So that's part of the story, but really a lot of the story has just been the growth and development of China over the years, um, becoming more of a, a major force. Um, so again, going back, back as, as an investor, uh, you want to be exposed to fast-growing companies. You want to achieve diversification relative to Canada. There's a, you know, the, the, the exposure of emerging markets certainly has changed and I think offers a lot right now to a Canadian investor. Yeah, I think that 25% exposure to information technology, that's a big wow factor. A lot of people don't know that. Um, and then especially as Canadians who don't have much IT in their home index, uh, that's a big deal. You're listening to Deep Dive, a special edition of the BMO ETFs podcast. If you're looking for timely trade ideas to navigate the current market, we encourage you to tune in each Thursday for our weekly Views from the Desk episodes. You'll hear razor-sharp insights, commentary, and ETF strategies from our portfolio managers, as well as questions submitted directly from our audience of Canadian financial advisors. So now looking kind of to the performance, uh, I was looking at ZEM, so that's BMO's Emerging Market Index ETF. Uh, performance looking really strong on short and the long term. So, Chris, do you want to walk us through what's driving these returns, the countries, the sectors? Um, and maybe secondly, when you look at ZEM's returns relative to other emerging market funds, which you know many are actively managed, it's keeping pace. It's right up there with the other uh, funds. So why does the index approach make sense for this trade? For sure. So, yeah, starting with returns, it's, you know, some some investors may be surprised to, we, we understand that U.S. has been the, the global leader over the last five years. There's there's no debate about that. The U.S. equity has been returned on average 13%. Uh, the MSCI China index has also returned 13%. So China returns have been neck and neck with the U.S. And because of the strength of the China returns, um, emerging markets have been the next kind of main kind of regional category in terms of performance. Um, EFI stocks and Canadian stocks are kind of around 5 6% annualized returns. Um, but uh, that emerging markets is right in the middle, about 9.5% of an annualized return. Um, another kind of interesting stat, I think that's kind of interesting, a one simple one-year return on the S&P 500 is, is 12% solid return given everything that's happened in the past year. Uh, that return in China is 32% on a one-year basis. Uh, something that got obviously lost in all the chaos that was happening in March was the actual the degree to which the Chinese equity market helped support the global equity market. It was not insignificant. And part of that was because China um, was certainly ahead of the curve with dealing with COVID, but also obviously they were very successful in managing the outbreak and, and really 
um, minimizing it to the extent possible. So on the return numbers, there's a lot of good things happen. Now, that wasn't the experience with every country within emerging markets. We know a country like India is having more struggles now. Uh, countries like Brazil and, and South America are, are having struggles. But again, being led by China, China has been a real workhorse and, and, and force for this exposure. And, you know, frankly, I think we'll continue to be so with a, with a country that has just drastically changed, um, you know, its identity. And, and you can just simply look at a picture of Shanghai from 30 years ago to today. And, and it's, you know, it's, it's an astounding change that's happened. That's really been the driver in terms of sectors. Certainly technology has been a big part of that story. Consumers have been a big part of that story as well, consumer stocks. And, and that's why we've seen those sector weights um, essentially double in the last 10 years in the index. And now consumer and tech is, you know, we're looking at about almost half the index there. So a lot of great things from a return point of view. Um, and, and I think a lot of those long-term trends are still in place and, and um, you know, set to continue. In terms of using an index-based approach, you know, I think one thing that we always, um, we always uh, kind of gravitate towards as, as, you know, kind of reason, it's just this disciplined style of investing that comes with an index-based approach. It's rules-based. Um, it's dispassionate from a manager point of view. We have rules that will govern whether securities can make it into the index. We obviously partner with MSCI, and MSCI is, you know, a leading um, index provider, certainly um, in emerging markets. Um, you, there's a couple other benefits, uh, you know, but um, but but really, look at that, our, our Morningstar ranking. You know, we've been top quintile, so top 20% of funds over the last 10 years. Certainly, emerging markets, sometimes people think active managers can add value. Um, some have, but none, I would say, have been really as consistent um, as us in the category. Um, it, another benefit is we're a very liquid way to get exposure to emerging markets, and sometimes um, that liquidity can be very important to investors in certain markets. So overall, it's just a really nice balanced uh, exposure and way to, to get access to the emerging markets. Now, Chris, uh, in the institutional space, we've seen big pension funds such, such as the CPP come out and say they're not being shy about allocating to emerging markets. Uh, they have a target of building their portfolio up to one-third total EM weight by 2025. Uh, and that's pretty huge. You can't really ignore that. So on the retail side, of course, the, a third of our portfolio, 30%, might be too much. Um, but the smart money flows are kind of giving us an indication of a growing conviction for emerging markets. So from a retail investor standpoint, how can um, retail investors add EM to their portfolios? And uh, why specifically ZEM? Why would this be a great option for these investors? For sure. And, you know, I think a lot of the, the first of all, that CPP, kind of indicating they can go up to 35% EM within the next five years. I mean, I think that's a resounding um, validation of the space. You know, you think about what they're doing as a pension. They are not investing for next year or five years from now. They are investing for, you know, they are looking at 25, 50, 75, 100 years out. So, you know, that when we think of the concept of time horizon, um, I don't think anyone probably has more time horizon than the Canadian pension. And it shows you when you have a time horizon or uh, a very long time horizon, you're probably going to want to go where where you can get growth on your assets. And, and they recognize that emerging markets 
is, is a region that can really um, provide that for them. So I think stepping back, yeah, I mean, certainly it's, a, it's an area where you can have higher risk, but also with that risk comes a great opportunity. You know, I think some of those fundamental factors and long-term trends, you know, the market will move from a day-to-day -day basis, but fundamentals are what are going to drive the markets in the longer term. Certainly the growth of emerging markets, the rise of the middle class, uh, the rise of the consumer there, these are fundamental factors that will drive it and shape it for, for many years forward. You know, in terms of why ZEM specifically, you know, it's just a very well-balanced, diversified, you know, it's a disciplined exposure, uh, low cost. Uh, it's also the largest EM fund in Canada. Um, some, some might be surprised, but it's a, you know, it's a $1.8 billion fund and it's, and it's a, just a very effective way to get you in the game. And I think that's, that's the way to think about it, you know, for advisors and clients. You know, you'll have to think through what allocation makes sense for you. But I think if you're investing in equities, I think all equity investors should have some emerging markets in their portfolio. And, you know, again, ZEM is a great tool to achieve that. Thanks, Chris. You've given us such a great crash course on emerging markets today. Uh, a couple key points or takeaways, but the index has really evolved. It's really changed. So that growing information uh, technology exposure that that's a really big one. Um, exposure to China alone, that you've touched on that, that makes so much sense. China is such a significant part of the world economy. Investors, investors would really be remiss to leave it out of their portfolios. So thanks again, Chris, for giving us the rundown on uh, emerging markets today. Thanks, Danielle. Pleasure as always. So uh, if you're looking to get some emerging market exposure in your portfolio, make sure you check out ZEM, the BMO Emerging Markets Index ETF. It's 27 basis points, MER, 26 countries represented. And as always, because it's an ETF, it's easily accessible, uh, highly liquid, and you can trade it on the exchange. Uh, that's all for us today. Thanks for tuning in. Make sure you check out our BMO ETF dashboard at bmoetf.ca for all things ETF related. And we'll see you next time. Thank you to Daniel Nezel, BMO product specialist, and Chris Heeks, ETF specialist and portfolio manager at BMO Global Asset Management for joining us on Deep Dive. If you enjoyed this podcast, we encourage you to tune in to our weekly Views from the Desk episodes available each Thursday morning where you'll hear timely market commentary insights and innovative ETF trade ideas. The viewpoints expressed by the portfolio manager represent their assessment of the markets at the time of publication. Those views are subject to change without notice at any time without any kind of notice. The information contained herein is not and should not be construed as investment tax or legal advice to any party. Investment should be evaluated relative to the individual's investment objectives and professional advice should be obtained with respect to any circumstance. Any statements that necessarily depend on future events may be a forward-looking statement. Forward-looking statements are not guarantees of performance.